0: Blog Talk Radio. Y'all ready? Ready, ready. Let's do it to it. <laughs>
1: All right, let's take our songbook, let's turn to number 32, stand together, number 32. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound in time to be no more,
0: and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. When the slaves ever together over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there When the roll is called up yonder When the roll is called of yonder When the roll is called of yonder, yonder When the roll is called up yonder I'll be there
1: on that bright
0: and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share. When his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll when the roll is called up yonder,
1: when the roll is
0: called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder,
1: I'll be there. All right. Praise God. Prayer request this morning. Are there any? Miss Charlotte.
0: I want to pray Arlie Ebs. Yes. Yeah.
1: I have her, yeah. Arlie Ebbs. He, he He's a former church member of mine over in Paris uh, Arlie was an actor He was uh, many times He was on uh, Walker, Texas Ranger With Chuck Norris He played one of the bad guys a lot of times But uh, he's a great guy Him and his wife Faye They went to church with us for several years in Paris But his heart's not functioning right Y'all please pray for him and his wife Faye They live right there close to where Miss Charlotte lives Anybody else? Prayer requests Surely we got a few Y'all remember to pray. Lift up and pray for my sister in Arkansas. Uh, remember to pray for. Uh, yes, go ahead, Dan. You got what now? Surgery and Tyler at five o'clock. At five o'clock. Twelve o'clock. Okay, on Friday. Yes, sir, brother. We would definitely be in prayer. Be in prayer for that. Amen. All right, let's lift up Scott in prayer as well. I know Scott wants to get well and be able to be here with us, so please lift him up in prayer. So God will get him well. Anybody else? Anything else? Yes. Angel. You. Yes, your friend Angel. Yes. How's Dawn doing? She's better. She's back at work. Praise God. Praise God.
0: Amen. Everybody
1: I know that's got COVID, I think, has just about got over. And I just praise God for that. All right. When Bubba visited Bubba yesterday, he seemed like he was doing better. Praise the Lord. That's great. He's a daughter graduating Friday night. Amen. He can't see. Yeah, he can't see. he got cataracts on his eye. <clears throat> I- Goodness. And they're talking
0: about doing the heart monitor. Maybe four, <coughs> uh, we need to lift
1: Bubba in prayer. Bubba's got problems. he got okay. lots of problems. He needs lots of prayer. So let's lift him up and God be merciful and grant him some relief. All right. Anybody else Will we go to the Lord in prayer? All right, let's look, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask God to bless us. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You
0: can be
1: seated. Mm-hmm. right turn to 227 227 let's sing this morning just a closer walk with thee I am weak but thou art
0: strong Jesus keep me from all wrong I'll be satisfied as long as I walk let me walk close
1: to thee, just
0: a closer walk with me granted is my plea, daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be, through this world of toil and If I fall, dear Lord, who cares? Who in me my burden share? None but thee, dear Lord, none but thee. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus, in my sleep. Day! close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. When my people life this time for me will be.
1: This is we we'll get through with the message, come and die, the master calls. Come and die. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about spiritual food. Amen. Jesus has a
0: table spread where the saints of God are fed. He invites his chosen people, come and die. With his man and his a feast, and supplies are every need. this leaps is up with Jesus all the time. Come and die, the master call us, come and die. You may feast the Jesus table all the time. He who fed the multitude, turned the water into wine, To the hungry call us now, come and die. The disciples came to man, thus obeying Christ of man.
1: for the Master
0: called us to them, come and die. There they found their hearts in fire, to fish upon the fire, Thus he satisfies the hungry every time. Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude, turned the water into wine, do the hungry calleth now, come and dine. Soon the Lamb will take His pride, to be ever at His side, all the hosts of Heaven will and it be. Those will be a glorious sight, all those saints who wantless fight, and with Jesus they will be eternally. Come and die, the Master calls us, come and die. You may be to Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude, turned the water into wine, to the hungry, call calleth
1: now, come and die. Amen. Praise God. Good singing this morning.
0: day that will be. What a day that will be. With my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face. Oh,
1: I'm really looking forward to seeing what heaven is gonna be like. Take your Bible this morning, turn to me and, with me to Acts. Amen. We're gonna be in the sixteenth chapter of Acts this morning. And we're only gonna we're only gonna read five verses there. We're only gonna talk five verses. And uh, I'm gonna do my best to not go too long this morning. I know really serious about it, though. I'm going to try real hard. I, mean, I love y'all. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm really going to try not to go too long. I went a lot on my notes. I've, I've been going over the last couple of times. I've, I've been going about five minutes over, so I, I'll, I'll try to bring some of that back around and try to try to give you some of that back. Let's look at this morning in, uh, let's see. To find the place. All right, let's turn to Acts 6, 16, verses 1 through 5. Have you found that? Acts 16, 1 through 5. Let's read this morning. Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they all for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily let's go to the lord in prayer father in heaven lord as we come before you this this day lord we need you lord i need you this morning father i i pray that lord that you'll you'll help me in spite of my limitations this morning lord i i, I find myself this morning lord not struggling but lord not knowing just exactly how to approach all this so lord i ask you please to guide me please use me and help me lord as you always do Put myself in your hand. I'm your instrument. Do with me as you will. And Father, I'll be, I'll be glad to praise you no matter the result. Lord, I pray that you'll touch some hearts today. Help us to see that, Lord, this life's not all about us. Lord, it's not about us at all. Help us to see that, Lord. Help us to make, uh, make a clear assessment today that the Christian life is about others. And, Lord, we're to put others before ourselves. Help us to see that. Clearly, and Lord use it to guide our lives as we as we deal with others around us. Lord help it to uh, to use it this morning to help us to be a more effective witness and testimony before the world. And we will give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I know you saw what I saw when we read that, and. We've been talking for the last two weeks about how circumcision wasn't necessary, and it just makes it just you know on your first reading of this, you go, Paul, oh, what are you doing? This don't you're contradicting yourself, man? Are you have you lost your mind? I mean, what in the world? And you know, I mean, he he just got through discussing that circumcision is not necessary for salvation. And the next thing we know, he's circumcising Timothy. It just don't make a lick of sense when you first see it. But I'm going to tell you, God has done something here, and he's going to teach us a powerful lesson this morning. It's not a long, it's not a long lesson, but it's a powerful lesson. So, again, let's, let's kind of set the scene. All right, so you remember Paul and Barnabas went on their first missionary journey, and they sailed... To the Isle of Cyprus, which was Barnabas's home, they they sailed to Salamis and they went from Salamis and they went across the island and and they and they, 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 preached, and, and they, they preached and then they they preached and then they went north and when they went north that's when John Mark said, "I'm not going no further I'm going back home to Jerusalem and they went on up into Paphos, and they and they went to Lystra and Derby and Iconium, and then they went back through Lystra, they went back through Lystra and on their way back to uh, Antioch, and uh, and so these what we're looking at today is Paul going back to the same churches that he's already, that he's established. You remember when he was in what happened to him in Lystra? Y'all remember what happened in Lystra? What happened? Huh? He was stoned, he was stoned in Lystra, right? Okay, but then <clears throat> then he went to Derby and Iconium, and remember he came back to Lystra, and they stayed there a little while, and he taught and preached. Well, he got to know some good people there. he met some people who 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 really were solid believers and and that's what we're going to talk about God is working all these things out. God is developing the ministry of paul and and, and, and he's bringing people into his life well again, we just saw in the last chapter as we closed it out, we just saw an argument or or a debate or whatever you want to call it between. Two brethren between Paul and Barnabas. Again, Paul and Barnabas got into a heated discussion over John Mark. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him on this second trip, and Paul said, uh-uh, I'm not taking him with me. I mean, we were fixing to leave and, and go north, and he said, no, nah, I'm going back to Jerusalem. I'm going southwest, uh, or southeast. I'm getting out of here. I'm going back home. I'm not going with y'all up there. And so now here they're going on a second journey, and, that, and, and Barnabas wants to bring his nephew, John Mark. That's his nephew, by the way, if you don't know if you knew that or not. But John Mark is Barnabas' nephew. I believe with all my heart that John Mark lived where the upper room was because you remember the night that Jesus was arrested? He left out of there and went out to, to the Garden of Gethsemane. So anyway, I, Barnabas... He wants to take John Mark and Paul says, Absolutely not. There's no way he's going. And they got this argument. And so Paul takes Silas with him. And Barnabas and 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 John Mark go to they go back to Cyprus. Now I don't know exactly what went on, but I'm assuming he was he took him back to where he lived and there he was discipling him and, and training him and getting him ready to go on out on another missionary trip. But Paul and Silas leave out and they go Back to where they had been up in Iconium and Derby in Lystra. So anyway, so there is, is, is Paul and Silas, and they and they get to that church in Lystra, and there they come across Timotheus or Timothy, and uh, so he met them on the first missionary journeys. So I want to read to you from Second Timothy one five. Now he's discuss, He's talking about. He's talking about. Timothy and what he knew of him, he said, when I call to remember the unfeigned faith that is in thee, the unfeigned faith. Do you know some people have a feigned faith? You know that word feigned means fake or phony. Some people act like they're really, really spiritual people, really, really deep believers, and the truth of it is that it's just putting on. It's lots of... Super spiritual people. Y'all know that, right? I've been in some churches where I sat down in a spot on a pew. First time I was ever there, and some super spiritual woman with a beehive hairdo or something come over and tell me, I'm in her spot. You know? <laughs> now, she's super spiritual. as She's at her spot. But anyway. Now, I, I've been around some people who who wanted you to know that they were very spiritual. And those people I keep my eye on because the Bible tells us not to be proud. But... How'd I get on this? Anyway, un- unfeigned, fake. His wasn't. Paul said, when I met this boy, I remembered it was real. Amen? Boy, what a joy it is when you get around a young believer, somebody who's just got saved, who's got the fire of God in them, that wants to do something for the Lord. Well, when you find, I mean, when they're finding takes with you, and you, uh, they're, they're, Spurgeon referred to it as a honeymoon period with Jesus. We just, we ain't, we can not do enough for him. We just want to serve him in every way we can, we want every, every fiber of our being to, to give Jesus all we can when we first get saved. It's, it's, just, it's just amazing. And it is amazing, but time wears that down if you're not careful. But boy, Timothy had a fire in him. He had a fire in him. And he said, I remember that faith was real. And it dwelt first in my grandmother, Lois. Lois got saved first when Paul was there preaching. And then his mother, Eunice, got saved as well. And he said, I am persuaded that in thee also. So there was no question in his mind whether or not what Timothy had was real. There was no question in his mind that what Timothy had, it it, it wasn't just a, well, I'm saved, I'm going to sit down and wait on Jesus. It was, I'm saved, what do we do now? Let's get busy. His family was one that stood out in Paul's mind. The whole family, genuine believers. And Timothy, it seems, had an advantage that Paul saw. He he saw this advantage of Timothy. Because Timothy had experienced two different worlds. He had a mama who was a Jew, and, of course, a grandmother that was a Jew. So he was raised up with that Jewish tradition And by the way, it seems like, you know, you would count somebody a Jew if their daddy was a Jew, but strangely enough, it's all comes back to whether your mother's Jewish or not. So he was looked at as a Jew by most people, but he had a daddy who wasn't a Jew. He was a Greek. And his daddy evidently had some influence over him because he had never been circumcised, even though he was half-Jewish. So he's a half-Jew. And... uh, but he's experienced both worlds. He's seen it from both sides, and uh, having having a, like I say, having a Greek father, and he has seen he has seen the the the, the, the contrasts between the two cultures, between one culture that wants to live for God and honor God, and another culture where fornication was was one of their normal things, uh, you know, idolatry and, and just absolute heathen culture. So he'd had it, he had been around his daddy's folks and seen all that and his mama's folks and seen a whole different story. You know, I can say I kind of went through that same thing. My mother uh, raised me in church, kept me in church. My mother led a godly life, as far as I could tell, all my life. I mean, I know she's a human, fell down and everything else, but she did do it in front of me. I saw a godly life. Yet I spent time with my dad. My dad was an outlaw deluxe. And I mean, he was rip-roaring, honky talking, and womanizing. And I saw both worlds. And I could definitely see a difference between the two. And I can even see a further difference between the two now. She's sitting here in the church house this morning. And he's laying in the cemetery. Died, died 54 years old. There's a difference. And Timothy had seen the difference in the two worlds. And he had a passion. He had a passion. It wasn't just a passing... Thing, he had a passion for the gospel of Christ. And he was eager to serve the Lord. He, he, was, he, he was like, if you've ever seen, it probably hasn't because they don't run dogs out here, but in Arkansas, they, they, run, they run coon. Well, they run coon dogs. They run, they run deer dogs. And boy, you get ready to go hunting them dogs. I mean, you got them on leashes, and they're just yanking and yanking and yanking on them collars. They're ready. Go, 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 go. Let's go hunt. Let's go hunt. I mean, they're ready. That's the way young believers ought to be. That's the way all believers ought to be, ready to do something for Jesus Christ. He had that, and, and 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 God brought Paul into his life. I remember when I first surrendered to God, and I, I first started out as a, as a, you know, surrender to the ministry. God placed men in my life all the way. God put men there to mentor me, all the way. I, I'm so thankful for all of them. And there's too many of them to even talk about. But I remember my, my I called him my pastor, Brother Joe Brown at Union Baptist Church in Austin, Arkansas. I remember on a Wednesday night, myself and my cousin Jason, who had surrendered to the ministry as well, I remember Brother Joe, uh, after Wednesday night service, he said, hey, y'all, come on, go with me. i got to run to Walmart and Magnolia, which is about 20-mile drive. He said, y'all ride with me. So we piled in the back seat of that car, and he questioned us. I mean, he needled us and questioned us. Oh, it was, we both, it was the first time we'd ever really been to that church, and we told him we were both preachers, we want to serve God there. He did. He questioned us about every doctrine you could ever imagine, all the way there and back. But I, but you know what? He found out he had two boys in the back seat that were eager to do something for God, and it got him excited. He was excited because he knew he had people that were like minded, who wanted the same things that he wanted. And he'd been struggling in a church with a bunch of with a bunch of folks who'd been sitting there looking at him forever, and he felt like they were dull to hear it, and nobody wanted to do much of anything for God. And, and he saw two two people fired up, and he said, "Hey." got something here I can work with, and I believe that's what Paul saw when he went to when he went to. Not that I'm anything, and I'm not trying to put my own horn. I want you to understand that all I did I had zeal back there, a lot of zeal, young man, ready to get after. Him. Amen. I still am, amen. But I wasn't. I'm not as young as I was. But but he saw that youthful exuberance. He saw that that desire for God, and he said, I am. I'm going. God's put him in my life. I'm going to use him. Amen. Look at second. I'm going to read you second Timothy. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it to you. But in Second Timothy chapter three verses fourteen and fifteen, Paul urges him to continue. He says, "But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child that has known the holy Scriptures." which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ. So even when he was young, and you've got to understand that he was young the first time that Paul came through. On that first missionary journey, Timothy would have probably been somewhere around 15 years of age. And I know we just read about the first missionary journey the other day. But what you need to realize is that while we are in between those times, five years have passed. Five years passed while Paul and Barnabas are back there in Antioch in that region. But they haven't been to Lystra and all that in about five years. So Timothy's now about 20 years of age. And he's saying, and, he, and, and even in Second Timothy where Paul's writing to him, he's even older than that. And he's saying, continue in the things which I have learned. Don't. Move from the truth. Don't take in some new doctrine. Don't listen to outside voices. You stick with the truth that you've been given, the things which thou has learned and has been assured of. In other words, the things that you've read in the Scripture and you've seen it in another place in Scripture and you've seen it in another place in Scripture, and the Holy Ghost of God is confirming those things in your heart. Don't you budge from them, Timothy? You stick with what you know, what the Bible has taught you and has been assured of. And he said, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. You remember that I was the one who came and brought you that. You remember that your mother taught you these things. You remember that your grandmother taught you these things. You remember that people that love you and the people that care about you, people that, people that want to see God bless you, has taught you these things. So I'm going to tell you something. Listen, I wish I had a church full of young people to tell this. Well, I'm going to tell you, there are people all over this world who act like they want to help. you. I'm going to tell you, you better stick with the ones that love you. And when the prodigal son left home and he went to the big city with a half of what his daddy owned, there was lots of people that just had all kinds of ideas for stuff he could do and all kinds of plans, and it was all exciting and fun, and all these things seemed like it was going to be a blast. But it didn't take long. He was stripped of everything he had and wound up in a hog pen eating slump. I'm going to tell you, we better stick with what. Listen, there's an old, there's an old saying, old country cowboy saying, "Dance with who brought you." Amen. Dance with the one that brought you. Listen, I'm not budging from this book. I'm not budging from Jesus Christ. I'm not. Budging, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what governments say. I'm going to stick with Jesus. And Paul was saying, Timothy. Though you're in a world full the heathens and I know you've got culture on your that affects you sometimes and I know you got family back home that the heathens don't listen to nobody but Jesus and the ones who line up with it and he did he did he was solid he was solid Paul had a confidence in him that he didn't have in John Mark you see John Mark was iffy but but Timothy was ready, and he said, he said, from a child, you've had this stuff in you since you were little. You've known the Holy Scriptures. He had memorized. He knew what the Bible said. He could quote to you what the Bible said. Amen? Listen, you need to memorize Scripture. You need to learn what the Bible says. Why? Because there are people out there that need what the Bible says, and we are living epistles read by men. We are to, we're to have it hid in our hearts so that God can bring it out when others need it, and that's what had happened with Timothy. He said he knew the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ. So Timothy was a powerful witness. He knew how to lead a soul to Jesus, and he was not hesitant about it. In Philippians chapter 2, Philippians, by the way, most most of us probably don't know, but the Bible is not written in chronological order. Do you realize that? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not the first four books in the New Testament, even though they're placed there. They're not the four in chronological order. James is actually the first book written in the Bible, I mean the New Testament. James is. But Acts is written about 62 A.D. Philemon, I'm sorry, not Philemon, Philippians is written in 62 A.D. So it's written right down the road on this missionary trip. Okay? So he's writing to the church at Philippi. Right after, soon after he's met Timothy and they've gone down there. And Paul is arrested. Okay? So I want you to read. This is written from jail to the church of Philippi, which they've just been to. And he's sending Timothy to them. And I want you to listen to what he says about Timothy. He said, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, in other words, if I die in prison, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy, And rejoice to me. Listen, I know where I'm going. Amen. It's all okay. If I die, if I die in jail, fine. And he said, rejoice if I do. But he said, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort. Paul was, was, uh, he wanted to be there. He wanted to help them. And and it, it pained him that he was locked up in prison and he was unable to minister to that church. And he said he said, "I'll be of good comfort if Timothy comes to you he had a confidence in that young man he had a, a, a serious confidence he never had in john Mark he said he said, I may be of good comfort when I know your state when he comes and he and he and he ministers to you and he and he and he shares the word with you and he and he helps you I'll, I'll be glad when I find out how everything turned out look at verse 20 he said, For I have no man like-minded." who will naturally care for your soul? There were no preachers in that area that Paul could, there was no men among them that Paul looked at and said, you know, so-and-so, now he's a good Christian man who will lead you and take care of you. There was nobody. So, but he had one like-minded, didn't he? He's speaking of, of Timothy. What a blessing it is when you have somebody that's like-minded. Now I dare say everybody in here is like minded with me in the regard that we love Jesus Christ. All right? I'm sure everybody in here is like minded with me that this is the word of God. But everybody's not in the same spot growth wise. Everybody is not at the same point in their service to the Lord. But Timothy, Timothy was he, even though he was young, even though he was inexperienced, he had a spiritual maturity about him. That Paul looked at and said, I can trust this young man, even though he's so much younger than me, even though he's, he's so inexperienced as life goes, but yet he, God has moved into his life in such a powerful way that I know that if he goes down there, I know he will represent Christ just as I do. His heart was genuine and pure towards serving God. All right? And he said, he said for for all those down there, he said, for all, seek their own. They're all out to, they'll just take your money. They'll take everything from you and get what they can get out of it, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Like a lot of preachers today, they just out, they just out it's a job to them. There's a lot of them like that in pulpits. Puppets in the pulpit. That would be a good message someday. But anyway. But all seek their own not thanks which are Jesus Christ. He said in verse 22, but ye know the proof of him. See, Philippi wasn't too far down the road for Myconium, Derby, and Lystra. Ye you know the proof of him. Now listen to what Paul says. That as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. When Paul had a knee, Timothy was there to meet Paul, Paul had a, had, a, had a, uh, some kind of a, a problem. Timothy was trying to fix it. Timothy looked up to Paul, and he showed him the respect that a, that a son ought to show a father. He showed him the love and admiration that a son ought to show a father. He was willing to do something to gain the approval of Paul the way a son does a father. Now, five years earlier, I'm getting to somewhere. I'm about to wrap this up, believe it or not. Five years earlier, Paul wrote the book of Romans. Romans five years earlier than all this. And in Romans twelve eighteen, Paul speaks these words. And I know you know these words. It says, if it be possible, as much as life in you, see that you live peaceably with all men. Now, I've always read that, and I thought, you know, if that's somebody trying to cause a fight and cause a ruckus and everything, you know, hey, you take it as long as you take it. There's a point where you can't take it no more, and you got to react. I, I mean, and I believe that applies there. But I think Paul Paul's words may have rung pretty loud in his own head. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, on the last trip, he stirred the Jews up, didn't he? And they stirred the pagans up, and there was a stoning. So there was a lot of hoopla and a lot of uproar and and commotion and chaos on his last journey. And although it was not necessary for salvation, because his mother was a Jew, like I said, he was considered a Jew. And I said there were advantages to Timothy because he had seen life from both sides. But there was a disadvantage with his dual culture. The fact that he was never circumcised, though he was considered a Jew. Timothy was not circumcised to be saved. Paul knew better than that. Paul had the letters in his hand to say. And by the way, everywhere they went, they carried those letters with them. Okay, because there were accusations everywhere. He had signed letters by from James and, and the other elders there at Jerusalem to prove to everybody. So he certainly was not being an absolute hypocrite and contradicting himself by circumcising Timothy. Why did he do it? It wasn't listen. It wasn't a matter. It wasn't a matter of conscience that he felt he had to be circumcised in order to be saved. It was a matter of testimony. Paul is going when Paul when Paul uh, well. Timothy saw it as a small price to pay to serve the Lord effectively alongside Paul. Why? Because where did Paul go when he went somewhere? He went to the New City. Where did he go first? Straight. Where did he go straight to? Somebody tell me. You know it. Where? The temple. The synagogue. He went. He well, that's the temple, but the synagogue. He went to the Jewish synagogue to the Jew first, right? And also to the Greek. Paul's heart, even though he was the apostle of the Gentiles. Paul's heart was in winning his brethren, the Israelites, to Christ. He wanted them to be saved. So he went to the Jew first. So in order to go to the Jews without controversy... He said, you know, these, these Pharisees, they're not, they're not going to go with you not being circumcised. They're not going to go. That, that's going to give you a conflicting testimony amongst the Jews. It wasn't anything to do with salvation. It was just, I don't want to cause any more commotion than we have to. Listen, listen to Paul speaking about the Jews. Romans 9, one 2, 5 He said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I, Listen to these words. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are the Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all God, blessed forever. Amen. Paul said, I wish I could die and go to hell and if all of them could be saved. That's a strong statement, my friends. Now, that's impossible because he doesn't come through the blood. But that was his, that's how much of a desire he had for them to be saved. I'd rather go to hell if y'all could all go to heaven. And it was that kind of a desire he turned to Timothy and said, Timothy, I, I, want, I want my people to be saved, and they're your people too. And, and it's going to be a lot easier for them to listen to us if you'll take care of this matter. And Timothy said, well, let's just do it then because I, I, I want to serve God. I want to be effective for God. It's not out of fear. It wasn't out of fear of God. It was out of love for God that he did that, that he went through that. And I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 9, if you would. You don't have to turn there. If you want to listen to me, just read it. But if you will, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'll turn there with you and give you a second to find it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19-23. to 23. Paul said, for though I be free from all men, that means nobody's got a yoke of bondage on me. Yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. I, I'm not, I'm not beholden to anybody. Paul said, I, nobody got any, any claim on me, or that I got to do things their way, or anything. He said, you know, I don't have to do anything to suit anybody, but Christ. But I'll put myself under that yoke for them. He said, listen to me. Unto the Jews I became as a Jew. I didn't go into the synagogue trying to hit them with, 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 with the way I teach the, the Greeks. I didn't go in there trying to trying to, 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 to reason with them the way I do with the Greeks. No, I, I, I came in there and I took the Old Testament Scripture and I dealt with them according to Old Testament Scripture and according to their tradition. I tried to meet them where they live. You can't, you can't take somebody who's, who's, who's had centuries uh, uh, of religion and expect them to snap their fingers and change without without you meeting them where they're at. You've got to come to where they live. You've got to help them understand. You know where they're at. You understand where they're at, but they need to come with you. You've got to get down on their level, and that's what Paul was saying. I became as a Jew to the Jews, that I might gain them. well wow, Because he we wanted them to be saved. He didn't look at them as his enemy. Though they were followed, though they had followed him and tried to stone him or tried to kill him, he still did not view them as the enemy. Why? For we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Listen, he saw them as as, as a potential convert. So he said, and those without law, the Greeks as without law. They're not under the law of Moses. He said, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. That I might gain them that are without law. He said, "When I came to the Gentiles, I didn't come to them talking about Jewish traditions and all that stuff. I talked to them right where they live. To the weak, became I as weak. Humbled myself. Humbled myself. Got down on their level. Didn't didn't pull a high and mighty routine." You know you know you can try to witness to a child and you can get all philosophical and eloquent. You know you ain't gonna get nowhere. But Shirley, I bear, I guarantee you you've tried to witness to I don't tell them how many kids over the years. And I guarantee you you broke it down as simple as you could, didn't you? To to win a child you've got to become as a child. Amen. You got you gotta reach them where they are at. And it's the same way culturally. You have to meet somebody, you have to show them I'm willing to come to you to bring you out of where you're at. And that's what Paul was it's all about. That's what this was all about. He said, I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be a partaker thereof with you. Paul was willing to endure whatever he had to endure that people might get saved. He didn't put any restrictions on God. He didn't say, God, I'll serve you, but not that. I'll serve you, but not that. Like the preacher, I heard one preacher say years ago down in Georgia, he said, Lord, I'll go anywhere in the world you want me to go as long as I can see Stone Mountain from my front porch. Can't be like that. You've got to be willing to do whatever God wants you to do, wherever God wants you to do, however God wants you to do it. 1 Corinthians 8, 4 and 13, we're back to close. He's speaking to them in chapter 8, the Corinthian church, as... About eating meat sacrificed to idols, and that's because in the pagan temples, in some of those pagan temples, and those, uh, the, especially those who were related to uh, to to sensual worship, things of that nature, where there were prostitutes and temple and all that stuff. They would bring meat, large meat, I like a big roast or a brisket or something of that nature and they would bring that in to the room where they, where they worshipped, and they would lay that up on the altar sacrifice. And as soon as they were done in the room, somebody come in there and grab the meat, and they'd take it outside, and they'd put it on the butcher block, and they'd start selling it off. That meat wasn't put on the altar and burnt. It was just, hey, y'all bring some meat. We've got, we got, we got a butcher business going outside on, on account of these worshipers. And it was a customary thing for people to go and buy their meat up at the temple. Now listen to how Paul addresses this. He says, As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things which are, that are offered in sacrifice to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. I mean, it's just a piece of rock. We know that. We know there's no God inhabiting that stone. He said and, and that there's no other there's none other god but one god's the only god there's no other gods you can call these things gods but they're not really gods he said for though there be that are called gods little g gods whether in heaven or in earth as there be gods many and lords many but to us there is but one god the father of whom are all things and we in him and one lord jesus christ by whom are all things and we by him Howbeit, Paul said there is not in every man that knowledge everybody doesn't know that there's only one God that there's that he that he, he alone is God for some with conscious conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled and the gift he said to the weak became eyes as weak so if they see somebody uh, he, he said he said if they see, say so, so maybe a brother in the church said, hey, you know, I hear they got a pretty good real deal on, on, on ribeyes up there at the temple. And I think I'm going to go up there and get some ribeyes for supper. And they bring them home, and somebody in the church said, Where, hey, man, y'all have ribeyes tonight? Where'd you get them? Oh, I got them up there at the temple. They had a good price on them. Well, it might cause that brother to say, you know what, I ain't going back to church more because people are going to live like that. I ain't. I'm through it." They, they say they're saved, but they just living like the rest of the world. So get all that. You know, people are drop like flies. They're looking for a reason. To. And Paul knew that. Paul knew that. He said, I know it ain't nothing, but they think it's something. He said, but meat commendeth us not to God. Meat ain't got nothing to do with us coming to God. He said, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. It ain't got nothing to do with our relationship with God. So Paul understands that. That's all superstition. He said, but take heed, you better pay attention, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. You know, that'd be like a Christian saying, you know, hey, they got steak and lobster for $5 on the lunch break down at the strip club. We're going to close our eyes and eat. It'd be all right. You think anybody have a problem with that? I think so. You might say, "Why well, we didn't even look? We didn't even look. We weren't looking at the women in there. We was just eating their and lobster. and We got right out of there." But you know what? It might cause somebody else to say, "I ain't going to church with you." Believe it ain't got no business mingling with the wicked. And if somebody, if somebody you're trying to win sees something that's wicked, you might not ought to bring it around. You, you know what I'm saying? Even if it ain't. So he said, you better pay attention lest this liberty of yours. Hey, listen, I, Paul said, I got a liberty. If I want to go up there and get me a, 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 a rib roast, stand a rib roast and bring it home to cook it and eat it, it ain't going to hurt me or anybody else because we know that ain't nothing but a rock sitting up there because some people are bowing down to. But I'm not going to let that keep me. I'm not going to let that be a detriment to my witness. So, you know, you know what? Eating less cheap meat is not worth people going to hell. And Timothy said, this little surgical procedure is not worth all them Jews going to hell over, so if i got to go through a little pain in order that they don't endure pain forever, it ain't that big of deal." That's where Timothy was at. That's called sacrifices to Christ. Did it have anything to do with his Christianity? No, none. None. It had to do with his effectiveness as a witness. Let me finish up with Paul here. He said, for if a man, because he said, take, take heed. He said, for if a man see thee which has knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? Yeah, just say, so you know what? I can go any anytime I want to. I've seen that guy do it. I can go back to being like I was. There ain't no difference between us and Christians. But when you sow, this is when you sow sin, Against the brethren, you wound their weak conscience. You sin against Christ. Wherefore, Paul said, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. He said, there ain't no way I'm going to eat that idle meat ever, 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 because I don't want to ever hinder somebody from getting saved. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know that there's anything in your life that would hinder somebody from getting saved. But but God forbid that we allow something to be a detriment to our witness. God forbid that we that even though we have liberty in the Lord, that we shouldn't take that liberty with pride and say, you know what, I'll do whatever I want to if it keeps somebody else out of heaven. We ought to we ought to be a Timothy and be conscious of others. And their, and their need for Christ. This life's not about us. It's about others. We only got a short period of time to minister to others. When we get to heaven, Christ is not going to ask you how good you were to yourself. I see a lot of talk about loving yourself and being good to yourself and all this stuff for yourself. And that's fine. You should, you should, you should love yourself. And you should be good to yourself, but not at the detriment of others. Not if it hurts others in the faith. Thank God Paul brought Timothy. I mean, God brought Timothy to Paul. Amen. Would God that he send us some Timothys to this place. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song of invitation. We're going to turn to number 408. We'll have a word of prayer before we do. Oh, we're not singing that one. But uh, let God work in your life this morning. Let God work in your life. Let's turn to 370, 370. I need the every hour. Father in heaven, Lord, I, I, I praise you this morning. And I ask you, Lord, to meet with us this morning here at the altar. Lord God, I pray that you work in lives. I pray, Father, that, uh, Lord God, I just pray that, you have your way in, in people's lives. Father God, I, I just pray that you, that you, Holy Spirit of God, that you open our eyes and help us to see that there are people around us that are watching us, there are people around us. Lord, let us be conscious of that and let us reflect Christ in them. Lord, may our lives line up with you. May our testimony line up with that of a of, of, of one who has zeal for the gospel like Timothy's did. Lord, may we be a a blessing and a tool, an instrument that you're able to reach down and use. Lord, just like you did Paul, just like you did Timothy. Lord, I thank you for the example they set. Father, I pray that we'll we'll, Lord, we'll look to you for strength. We'll look to you for guidance to to follow that example, Lord, to, to reach out to those around us and be careful how we use our liberty. Father, I pray you bless the invitation now. I pray, Lord, that Lord, you do a work in, the of, in our midst, Father. We'll give you the glory and the praise for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. What number did I tell you? Three, seven. Three seven. Oh.
0: Uh.